Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens still has our momentum management compressible blade technology so the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed uh, in flight it's one inch by inch and a quarter another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like so swap the tip out get you 125 grains instead of 100 which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click, and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fans. Now... I have a gentleman on here that is that is internationally known. He has been a pivotal point in a lot of a lot of people's careers and like provides a lot of insight and advice and he's 
really honed his craft in uh, the outdoor world. Uh, I got East Coast Trev here from the Outdoor Dry podcast. He's been on all kinds of podcasts. I've been listening to him for years, and he hit me up, and it's like we finally able to have, take this take advantage of this opportunity and. I don't even know what to do. I don't, it's like this, this guy does not need an uh, introduction. He's just a legend in the world here, man. So, uh, Trev, thank you for stop, coming on. Stop it. Stop it, Jeff. You don't have to do that, man. We, there's no need for none of that. Hey, I'm, I'm, I appreciate I'm, I'm, it. I'm fanboying over here, man. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I got it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time, man, to have me on. I, uh, You know, it's something that we, you know, like you said, we talked about it a couple of times, and I'm glad that this, this actually came to fruition. Yeah, me too. It's like... We were just before before I hit record. We've been talking about all the things we've gone through and like a, what we've done to get to this position and what we've learned and such. And and it's just it's all trial and error. You know, there's are our folks, mm-hmm. people that go out there and do it and go to school for and such. But like that, you're really your best ROI is just doing yourself and just asking people. That's what I did. It's like I I started asking people in the very beginning, like what should I get from Mike and should I get for a soundboard and such. And what were some of the um, hurdles that you had to climb when you were getting into a social media like getting into podcasting and getting into video and such what were some of the things that you learned that really helped go that aha moment i mean it was just kind of like you know constantly throwing the dart the, the dart at the dartboard right and you just try a million and one things to, to try and see what sticks right i guess and mm-hmm. there's a ton of obstacles i mean i've had so many failures throughout i mean in in the beginning i mean that we would do a podcast we record the whole thing and then something would happen and we would lose it or you know we lose a podcast or it wasn't recording properly or whatever the case may be and you just kind of grow from it and you just kind of keep moving on um when i was trying to do it man what a pain in the butt it was i mean it really was at first because i had not a clue um when i had started i didn't even really know what a podcast was um i had met a gentleman on a sportsman's show and he was like, Hey man, you really need a podcast. And this was back when I had uh, a bow hunting forum here in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. he was like, dude, you need a podcast. And I was like, what is a podcast? And then we ended up getting into it and we had a podcast for a while, a couple of years, things kind of fell off. And, you know, then we kind of, um, moved on. I had met, um, the co-host of, um, now, who now is the co-host of the outdoor drive podcast, Stephen Clark. Um, and we got together and he was on a a prior, um, podcast also. And it kind of was a big relief, honestly, because, um, Steven is like the redneck tech before redneck tech was a thing, right? (laughs) I mean, he, this boy puts it all together and kind of stopped a lot of the issues that I had, like the social media problems with designing things and cover arts and, and putting together podcasts and building intros and so on, all those things that we kind of go through um, every single day trying to build. Right. I mean, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise, honestly, and it's kind of stopped a lot of problems that I have had in the past um, when trying to build all this stuff. That is exciting, man. I know like for me, one of the biggest mistakes I made was buying cheap mics and it just didn't work out for me. So it's like, I, then I finally, I went to, I went to a professional and mm-hmm. I talked to him and we got, uh, we went and upgraded. I went out and upgraded to sure mics. I have a mm-hmm. Behringer, Behringer, uh, soundboard, which has been 
just fun. And then I just recently upgraded and bought a new one for my because I travel a lot and I record podcasts yep. on the road. So that's what I've always liked doing. It's like the face to face interaction. I mean, granted, you live in Connecticut, but uh, you know, we we make work and Zoom has been a, a huge asset to everything. And uh, I really like what they've done with everything. And and now it's like I'm learning to other people. It's like I just started recording a track in audacity and then just simply pulling the audio from zoom for my guest and that's it and then like my quality goes up because when you put them all together and you try to tweak it it become you get a little pop pixelation with it and that was a a huge improvement and then uh, a few last year i learned ways to tweak the audio so this way it sounded good coming through the speaker system of a diesel mm-hmm. because some of my listeners here in wisconsin and iowa illinois and around the country a lot of them drive diesels and that was a thing i wanted to address because i drive it i used to drive a diesel and so mm-hmm. it's like i knew the how you needed to do some way to overcome it and like some of the newer ones they're a little bit quieter to cabs and such but i was driving a 91 and like i was explaining to you earlier that truck is loud yeah <laughs> there's no such thing as quiet with that thing for sure and uh that's one like i just i played it with um a john dove and he with his experience when he got back from an elk hunt and he he was telling me it's like it turned out great it's like i was able to hear it through my truck it was clear audio and it's like so i've just been duplicating that the entire time and i thought that was a really big win and plus I use I don't know what you use for your um, audio editing, but I use Audacity. And some mm-hmm. people look down upon it. Some people are like, hey, this is great because it's got tutorials. It's a very low learning curve, and you can still produce really good quality on it. Yeah, I, I was. I don't even know honestly what Steven's using nowadays. Honestly, um, I was originally using um, GarageBand. Um, I was Audacity for a while um, with the first podcast. Then I went to GarageBand um, and had a really good success with that. Um, and then. Steven, I don't even know what he uses, honestly, um, but it's phenomenal what he does use. Uh, all the audio is great. It's easy to, you know, it's it's easy to to kind of pick it up. You know what I'm saying? With the, with just kind of, he does a phenomenal job with it, honestly. I don't do anything with editing anymore, and it's kind of relief off my shoulders. Um, originally, um, when we first had started, I started doing it, and then Stephen had taken it over. And then with the prior podcast, that's what I had to use was was GarageBand, and it was so easy to use, man. I'd never, I would never look back, honestly. That that is a, everybody says it's a very um, phenomenal product to use, and it's very easy to work with. Because mm-hmm. one thing that's the, those who are listening to this podcast, it's you want to find something that has a lot of tutorials with it, especially if you're not going to school for it or if you don't have time, you need to have a quick learning curve. Like I'm mm-hmm. almost 40 years old, man. I figured this out a few years ago. It's like, so you could figure anybody could figure this out. Oh yeah. And it's, just, it's just fun. Cause I like this long form conversation because it's like, it's something that is, is lost on the younger generation, but it's like, it creates a legacy because this will always be out there in the, either in the, in the either world, you know? This yeah, thing that people can relate to, and like my daughter's only eight, so it's like I'm looking forward for her to to l- learn this. But I wanted to show her that you can put your mind to anything, and you can be a, a redneck nerd red uh, uh, guy, and you can figure out anything. So it's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I get, you just show her the opportunity to do it and go from there. It's kind of funny that you say that, and and with the whole podcast thing, like that's like the way of the world, man. And and some of the ways that you connect with one another. And with different people, I mean, it's kind of funny is before we had gotten on this podcast, um, I had somebody that came over to, uh, so I have a, a taxidermy business. Um, I have the Demersa Beatles and I do Euros. I do a metric ton of them. Um, but anyway, it's one of the, one of the customers that had come over 
this evening and dropped off one of his deer skulls. Um, we were chit chatting and he listens to the podcast and then we started talking even more and I was like, Hey man, what do you, what do you shoot for a bow now? And he's like, Oh, I'm shooting the elite cure. Well, I shot the elite cure last year mm-hmm. and then he was shooting a, the same arrows, the same broadheads. And he was, cause he listened to the podcast and then actually like it kind of pushed him to go and buy those products because we talk about them constantly and reviewed them and so on and so forth. And it was just cool that, you know, that people kind of listen to what you have going on, honestly. I think yeah. that's the most important thing about a podcast. And it gives them that that perspective from it because I've been shooting the Elite Impulse Thirty One since twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. I love the bow. It is it's so it's so nice and small, compact. And like I was talking to you earlier, I was I've been just started shooting out of a ghost blind, and that yep. there's a little bit of a learning curve there to make sure you're not going to shoot your shoot your three hundred dollar uh, blind in the in the back. But uh, it's it's a nice even well well thought out blind that really works out but having that shorter axle axle allows you to have that um, ability to get in and out in smaller locations like mm-hmm. if i was shooting a 34 axle axle that's a little bit difficult to balance that all out so this way you're not knocking the cams on your knees or on the side of the the blind or setting something off so i just fell in love with that one a few years ago just because of the, the massive let off on it so those who listen to the podcast i will just Granted, maybe a few several years old, but if you're looking just to get into it, like you can pick up an Impulse 31, like brand new out of the, out of the box. If you can find ones like anywhere between like 350, 400 bucks, they're not that expensive anymore. I mean, I paid yeah. just under a grand for ones brand new. There's a couple you- of pages on Facebook also. So there's the Elite um, Enthusiasts page that's on there, and there's mm-hmm. always older bows on there constantly, man. Like, I. There's some good ones out there. Some of the old ones, the Z28, the the Impulse 31, the Energy, mm-hmm. um, the Synergy. I run the Synergy. I, I still own that bow, and I still shoot that. I shot my big buck last year in Ohio with that deer, with that bow. I had a brand-new cure, and I left it at – I just – something just felt right, and I was like – I was like, I gotta bring out the old girl. I really do. Uh-huh. And I ended up shooting that buck with that that bow, and it was it was one of the coolest things ever, honestly. Because I've had that bow for quite some time, and then just to take it out and shoot a deer with it was kind of fun. That is especially exciting. the older one. Now, is your is the synergy? Is that a thirty four axle axe or? Yes. Yep. Okay. It's a longer axle axle, and I, I kind of like the longer axle axles honestly because they're a little bit more forgiving. They are, um, they are 100% because I was shooting a, a Hoyt Factor 34 before I switched, and I could get a lot away. I got I got a lot away with a lot more things with that longer bow. So mm-hmm. I've been I recently got a promotion at work. I've been working pretty hard. I've got some funds coming in now. So I think I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to go to a, a expedition, a Mountaineer mm-hmm. X out of Decor, Iowa, man. And it's like I said, I just had a chance to sit down with uh, Kurt Henning a couple years ago. And you know how you're talking about earlier that you, you'll lose podcast, lose the audio. That happened to me. Lost the entire podcast. Really? Like, yeah, I lost the entire thing. I was so frustrated because it was a good one. Because it's like yeah. actually, he was able to chisel out some of his time to sit down and talk with me. And I had Matt. Uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, but he's out of Decora there too. Because him and I just chatted, and we were to meet at um, Anthem Archery there in Decora just to shoot BS. And Kurt was available, and it was just it was just like all the things came to, came together. And uh, my good friend um, Tyson Trunkhill, he runs the. Uh, uh, sticks and stones archery down there in uh, denver yep. isle but he also does his the dust off project which i'm currently wrapping his shirt right now and i don't know have you have you heard about his uh program no no i've heard of sticks and bo- sticks and stones i saw that on instagram but mm-hmm. 
So what this is is the dust off project is where they t- where people that have old bows that, that that no longer can shoot them themselves, or they just want to get or give them to somebody that could use it. That he that's what he does. He takes them all in. He worked out a great re- relationship with Chris Ham with HHA, and then uh, can't, a couple different string companies. But you have to be a DD two fourteen. You have to have meet certain uh, criteria to get one of these bows. But it does amazing job for those who suffer from PTSD, alcoholism, or some type of uh, an addiction to help them. Get get out of their mind and uh he just recently expanded it to to ems uh police officers and firefighters and he, and he, there's a there's a cry there's a criteria that you go through and such but it's really brightened up the days of a uh, of a lot of folks that get them back out there and some go hunting some of them don't but it's just being able to distract their mind from their day-to-day and just being able to be just in the moment is a big thing to achieve because uh, I'm just kind of going over to my uh, my company's uh, culture. It's like be in the now, be here now type scenario. And it just makes so much sense because I, like, I went hunting all weekend and I had a lot of activity, but it's like even though I wasn't able to capitalize something, it was just in that moment of being peaceful because where I hunt at, I don't get very, very good um, service. So it works out great. So it's like all I'm doing is just paying attention to what's around me. And uh, it's just rewarding. You're really just there in that moment. You're just between you and the man upstairs, and then it's like it's a way to work out your some some issues that you may have in dealing with that you want to uh, sort out or figure out how to strategize to move past something. And then you're sitting out in the woods, you get to hunt, so it's like you may get a chance to walk home with dinner. And I think that the, the outdoors has kind of done that and, and capitalized on, on taking care of some of these veterans and some of these people that have a addiction problems or whatever the case may be. And it's kind of, it's changed a lot of people's lives. I know me myself, I mean, as a young kid, I mean, I could have seen myself getting in a lot of trouble and the outdoors kind of, kind of, you know, took me under their arm and, and, Mm -hmm. and took care of me. You know what I'm saying? Like fishing in general was one of my things. Like I did since I was a kid, you know, I had a lot of buddies that, you know, or acquaintances that had gotten in trouble and I probably could have went down the same route, you know, drugs or problems or whatever the case may be. But my focus Mm -hmm. was just fishing and hunting every day. Like that's all I cared about was, was going pheasant hunting with my dad or running the dog or, or going fishing. And we lived on a lake and then we have the ocean and everything else being on the East coast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just, it's one of those things that it kind of captivates you and kind of takes you in. So, seeing and hearing a lot of the stories throughout the podcast of veterans and people that have been over to war or mm-hmm. gone through bad things in their life, how, how the outdoors has kind of taken them in and kind of really changed their lives. Honestly, it changed a lot of people's lives. And the more you, you talk to people on podcasts, you, you learn about that. You are a hundred percent correct. I was talking to a guy today uh, one, of, one of the guys in my training class and stuff like that, and he we, we, we discussed about my background, and he saw the the deer in the back here, the HHA over there, and uh, he, obviously we pay attention to that. I'm really big in the outdoors, but I told him, it's like, you you don't create memories behind an Xbox or behind a screen. You you create memories being out there, and you, you develop a bigger camaraderie between you and your friends, and you, you, you become more mindful of your time and how valuable it really is. I mean, I, got, I sold my PS three to buy my first bow and then i also bought some ammunition because like who doesn't like 22 ammunition when was, right. this is this is like right when uh we were start, start, ammunition started showing back up in the shelves again so mm-hmm. it's something that i'll, I'll never look back and regret because like i'm so glad i got out of video games i went to school to become a video game designer 
and I got burnt out from it. And it's like, and this is like, I finished up schooling right when the, the economy tanked in 08. So I was like, well, that was a heck of a setback. And so I just kind of bounced around from there. And when I moved back to the Midwest, I decided like, well, I've been listening to Joe Rogan. He's talking about archery. And it's like, oh, I've been gun hunting for so many years. I want a new challenge. Cause it's like, I've shot my fair share of does. And it's like, I haven't shot a whole lot of, I haven't, this is the only buck I have on the wall right here. So I don't, I don't didn't have too many opportunities, but it's like, I wanted to have the, um, a new experience. Right. And you know, it's, no, like, I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like you, you are so much more in tune. And when you, when you get that deer and you see it and you're, you're finished to you grunt it in and you get it into position to where you want to put that arrow through it and you just follow through and you watch the arrow impact the shoulder or, or the rib cage. And like, you know, it hit the double lungs or it went through and it's like, well, I got beat on the table today. That's what it's all about, man. Right there. For sure. And what I what I've noticed over the last few years with the meat eater and with Joe Rogan and Cameron Haynes and all these these savages out that they're really bringing the the value of the cooking aspect to it. That's mm-hmm. why I started doing the cooking thing because plus I like to eat and I wear a beard because it hides double chin. <laughs> and, and it's like I like food as a, as an opportunity to bring people together, and it really has an opportunity to share stories and memories because now I can talk, I can talk to people like I sat down with David Wooten and Chris Ham and had, and broke bread with these two iconic men that have gone through some stuff and, and found God and, and really provided themselves a blessing. And it's like, I, you, I would never been able to do this anywhere else, but it's like, it was just how podcasting has marched us down here. Cause uh, you get to meet some very astounding people and, I, I would never trade this for the world, man. It's like, I would, this is just fantastic. I could, I could be my own talk show host and nobody listens. That's fine. I'm doing this for me. I get, I get that's to right. be able to air out my grievances, say what's really upsetting me or what's on my heart for the day. Absolutely. That's the most important thing about the podcast. Honestly, the people that you, you meet some of the friends, I mean, we, you know, we call it the power of the podcast and, and it's, it's the different people that you meet, you get to spend time with, you know, I come out to the Midwest a couple times a year to hang out with the boys from the working class um mm-hmm. bow hunter podcast and they've kind of become very good friends of mine and hanging out with them i would have never met them because you know for that or you know there's a ton of people that i've met or even people that are you know supporters of the podcast that listen to us uh-huh. um we talk to them regularly i mean our ohio hunt we go with one of the guys that's been a listener of the podcast from the beginning mm-hmm. and we go down and hang out with him and hang in camp and hunt with him and you know there's tons of people that i talk to on the daily they're some of my best friends and i met them through the podcast it's taken me to so many different places and so many different opportunities and it's incredible like you said man you get to you get to to meet some people that have probably been idols of you for a very long time just to be able to talk to them and and chit chat with them and you know just to find out that those guys put their pants on one leg at a time also you know they're just good old boys oh 100% man you can't you said that right uh right on the mark right there and you are correct you do get to meet some unique people that you never thought about and i like reaching like there's like as a podcast host you have so many opportunities and it's like you, you, you get almost overwhelmed because there's right. so many cool people. It's like, I feel bad for the ones like I haven't gotten to in a while or, or circle backboards. Like, dude, it's like, don't worry about it, man. I'm still going to talk to you. Cause that's the best part about this. And I like reaching out to the ones that have never been on a podcast or never would have dreamed of being on a podcast. And they're so humble by the experience about being on able to speak their peak with mm-hmm. us on their mind and, and what brings them out to the outdoors. Cause those who listen to my podcast, I like to, I like to tell them, let them tell, 
tell their story. And then when they come back on again, it is a whole nother episode because now you get to peel back the onion a little bit more and, and get to the core and really find out what drives them and what motivates them. Cause like, I like talking about kids and, and, um, lessons and, and how the outdoors really changed our perspective and such, and like how we treasure life and how we treasure time. Cause we were these animals are put on this earth for a reason but we got to pay homage to our ancestors that really worked and bring to, to, to in today's standards the good old days of turkey duck uh deer elk is still climbing uh goats still surviving but you know we get my point though it's like we've there's people who put a lot of sacrifice in for a lot of decades for us to mm -hmm. enjoy it it's like these guys were thinking about their great grandkids and their great great grandkids Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Now it's like I've been learning, digging into like the folklore about some of these uh, national parks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that when Teddy was coming up with these, these parks and stuff like that, I think he listened to a lot of the folklore about like a, uh, skinwalkers and the Wendigos and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, and if you start looking at, uh, have you ever heard of the documentary called Missing 401? It's on Amazon Prime. No. Well, what it is, is it talks about several odd instances where there are people that are experienced hunters, outdoorsmen, uh, even couples that spend a lot of time hiking that all of a sudden they just disappear. Bodies never to be found, materials that are never, never placed anywhere else. And so it's just one of those things like what happened to them? Like in the most recently there was this, uh, there's couple out in uh, uh, California where the body, the dog was killed, both the, the parents i think they're both the male and female were both killed too and they eliminated gas um dysteria uh de um, dehydration still don't understand how the how they died but the biggest thing is they found the dog up in the tree yeah really yeah wow, that's wild so it's like there is um it's like you we all know there's like if you if you believe in god there's always going to be demons out there and it's like it's not that far-fetched and then one person brought up the good points like what about the folks that made it out to the oregon trail but they got stuck in like the forest stuff like that and all of a sudden they now they have a couple of generations that have been left underneath the uh uh surface the mole people in a sense you know it's like this is not that far-fetched because there's people that didn't make it to the to oregon back in the back in the 1800s you know Mm -hmm. so it's like that's someone, crazy so it's like you don't know and like and you start finding right? out like the mole people in new york city and the, the people that live underneath the city of of uh las vegas and there's people out there that become almost feral in a sense that's nuts yeah. i never really think about that kind of stuff honestly and maybe i should probably spend a little bit more time on it well the thing is we we, we, we don't we don't necessarily think about it because we know our, our our areas of hunting but when you just go out west and you go on those deep areas and stuff like that but granted we're all carrying a sidearm but when you listen or a firearm of some sort or a weapon but you find out about these these experienced hunters that all of a sudden go up missing and you don't they never find the bodies they always find the remnants of it it just doesn't make sense you know it's like you it's just weird then what was it a few weeks ago they found a guy that went hunting for rocky uh no a goat rocky mountain oak goats up there and he would went missing in 1969 all of a sudden you stumbled across his skeleton. Oh, I remains. did see that. Yeah, I did see that actually. That's quite uh, amazing when you're doing it. Like, granted, it's, it's it's superstition, but you know, it's like you never know what you're going to come across out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like there's been some weird glitches in the Matrix. I don't know about if you experienced it, but there's some weird things that are 
not quite explainable that I don't quite get because it's like, you know, we've had the Mandela effect, you know, and it's like there's some there's starting to see some stuff that like what happened back in uh, 2012 when they turned the CERN headline collider on a few de- a few years ago. And it's like you, you start opening up the multiverse and stuff like that. It's, I know it's kind of we're going off topic here, but you never know what, what you can encounter because, I mean, people have been having these legends about these mythical creatures and they had to come from something. It's very true. You know, very true. I don't know much about it, honestly. I don't really like follow it or think about it all that much. I mean, I really don't. So it's kind of tough. But yeah. well, it's just like I'm just kind of bouncing around because we're yeah, both podcast sure. hosts, so it's like we can yeah. talk about literally anything and make have fun with it. So <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> so that's the great thing about the long term form. Like I've been talking to some of the guys off off um the off the air about regarding why why is a tech billionaire buying up two hundred forty thousand acres of land like stuff like this and. We're if we're not careful, we're going to start walking walking towards what uh, Teddy was trying to avoid, because we're going to be having a bunch of privatization. We're going to start losing our public lands. We're going to be going becoming our parents essentially. And I'm I'm making fun of Britain here if we're not careful. It's kind of crazy that he thought of those things though. We talked about that uh, me and a buddy of mine that he thought of this so long ago, and that it was going to be in the place. And look at this. We're, we're, it only took 200 and some years to do it, but we're, we're marching right back down to why mm-hmm. we f- fought and won and beat uh, England and such. Yep. And you get, into some, you, you can get into some weird conspiracy theories. Oh. I, I, I put my, my, <laughs> my tinfoil hat a few times on when I'm on the, spot, on the SmackDown <laughs> podcast, but it's all a matter of time. It's for all sure. It is. For those who, those who are awake, really know what's going on, it just, we just got to wait for the rest of the civilization to catch up. That's right. For sure. So have you been paying attention to what's going on with this full supply chain and everything else like that? Because I know for me, I've been taking my hunting series a little bit more serious this year because I've been seeing the meat prices and everything. I was like, just skyrocketing because it's not because of the lack of employees, not because of the lack of, of, uh, of meat. It's just because of what they're trying to pull. Absolutely. And we, we load up on it here. I mean, obviously being a fisherman and stuff, we load up on meat constantly. So we don't, I don't really, honestly, I don't pay attention to it because we, I don't buy much meat in the store. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from, you know, we load up on fish in the summer, deer, turkey, uh, pheasant, ducks, so on and so forth. We load the freezer constantly. Very little food of ours in our household comes from um, the store, honestly. Uh, every once in a while we'll buy chicken. Um, we do, a we do a whole pig. We do a quarter of a cow. Yeah. So a lot of it, I'm just so used to, you know, not buying meat in the store. So a lot of people talk about it and I hear about it, yeah. but I just, we don't, it hasn't quite affected don't you do much of it. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, my wife is, has a tender stomach, so it's like she can't eat a whole lot of venison consistently. So I have okay. to di- diversify to make sure that she's happy, like make sure the house is happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> Man, so now you were talking about this grunt call here, and I'm always I'm always down to listening about like new technology and how things have going on. And we we were mentioning about how this one video all of a sudden went viral and you end up selling thirty calls in the matter of twenty four hours. Like so can you can you talk about this call here? Yeah, absolutely. So Norister Game Calls um is a company that um, I've worked with for years. Um, they also sponsor the Outdoor Drive podcast, and we've kind of worked with him. We made the Outdoor Drive series, or the the yeah, it's called the Outdoor Drive series. Um, that one's actually made out of a Fox Elderboro um, 
and it's it's just exotic woods constantly. Mark was a custom knife builder from the beginning, and he kind of decided to build custom calls okay. um, when he had bought a call from a big box store, and he got it, and it just sounded like crap, and he couldn't get it to work. So mm-hmm. him having a lathe and being a knife maker and so on and so forth, he decided how hard could it be, so he started making his own calls. That's kind of where it started. So we started working together and we build a series every single season. So our grunt, our grunt tubes, we started with the evolution series, um, which was an original grunt tube. Then we, then we turned it into fully um, all acrylic with different stuff. And we did pine cones and wasp nests and cactus and all kinds of stuff in that. And then we started the outdoor drive series which was a Fox Elderboro. And then we have a Jurassic series actually coming out next year, which is going to be with mammoth ivory um, inside of it. So we've kind of done a lot of custom things and, you know, going back to the whole video that kind of went viral, that was on TikTok, And somebody had said how they lost the rubber band on the inside of their grunt tube. Um, And I said, you know, let me let me fix it real quick. And it's kind of like an extinguisher. You know, a lot of people kept pointing back to the fact that it was like an extinguisher. Yes, it's like an extinguisher, but not even close. So the extinguisher is just a plastic, all plastic body with a plastic tube on it. Um, ours is all custom. Um, it's a there's a wood there's a wood um, tube to it. And then we have the rubber tubing on the end. And then um, it's all custom wood or custom made from scratch um it's not you know it's the only thing that's similar to it is that you can go from a grunt tube i mean a grunt sound to a bleat sound um with just a push of a button right so it, that has a little slide thing on the outside yeah. and this is the same with ours we have just a custom one and it just moves out and runs in a groove so you can go from a from a buck this one's a little out of tune <laughs> i didn't even i picked it up off the shelf i didn't even know um, I could probably do it pretty quickly. Um, especially knowing the call. I was messing, I mess around with all my stuff and Mark hates it because constantly I'll text him and be like, Hey man, where's this supposed to be? Cause I keep breaking it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and then you can go right up to a bleat. <laughs> and that's just with a push of a button, man. So it was kind of cool. Something we do, we do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, we make Turkey calls too. We have a bunch of different pot calls. Um, box calls, and then we came out with what they called the Ridge Runner, um, okay. which was um, something that Stephen um, he had found one from a man in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Okay. He originally made it, and what it is is it's it's the it's kind of like a about the size of a pack of a cigarette, um, and it's hollow on the inside, and it has an aluminum tray that runs across the face of it, and it, that's your striking surface. Okay. This thing is absolutely insane. Um, probably one of the best, you know, abrasion calls I've ever used as far as turkey calls go. Okay. So we have those. We always come up with something for every single season. He makes custom squirrel calls. So we're about to do a um, a squirrel competition, actually, um, in probably the month of. We, we're undecided either December or January. I'm thinking more or less January. Mm-hmm. Um. And what it is, is we're going to do all, everybody can join. So your guys' listeners and supporters um, can join in on this too. Everybody can. I don't care who it is. And we're going to do a month long competition. We're going to do the most squirrels, the biggest squirrel. Um, and it's just going to be like from the tip of the head to the tip of the tail. And so we're going to run that bracket for about a month. 
at the end of it, I have now called out every podcast that is or any person that wants to be part of it. That's an influencer, quote unquote, or whatever the case may be. I'm going to call everybody out and we're going to have a weekend of just turkey hunt. I mean, um, of squirrel hunting. And then we're going to give away the holy grail of uh, of um, squirrel calls. Yeah, it's going to be out of mammoth ivory. So it's going to be like, it's like equivalents of like a hundred dollars squirrel call. Wow, that's so, so cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're just kind of doing just a little bit of fun stuff and we're always making different calls for coyote calls. So we're on with that, we have the squirrel competition, which is probably going to go in January and then in February, which is part of that's when the um, coyote mating season is. So we're going to yes. do a coyote competition also and just kind of fun, man, keeping people involved with what's going on, man, getting people in the outdoors. Um, just a little bit more drive, you know, fueling that drive and just getting them outside and doing different things and just kind of different competitions and just kind of fun, man, give things away. We're constantly yeah. giving away calls and different things. So we've, we've kind of, you know, we love working with Mark and Nor'easter and just kind of the things that he does is just next to none, man. That is exciting. Kind of fits us. The best thing about squirrel calls too, is you can get kids involved. Like, you know, the, the thing they can get sure. kids to get, but I have a blast with it. Have you reached out to uh, Ben Harrison for the bow hunting league? I mean, I even oh yes, yeah. I think he would probably he would probably have fun with this too because Ben's got a a mind for the the unusual, and I think this would be a fun competition to get all all ages involved. For sure, I mean anybody that will get involved. You know, obviously this is the first year we're gonna do it as an annual thing. Um, it's just kind of different. I mean, my thing was it was kind of like a joke at first, right? Because I was yeah. like, well you know, we should do a squirrel competition. But then when I started to realize like, we don't, we're not big squirrel hunters here in the Northeast. And I mean, it's not like a huge thing. We have just gray squirrels. Like there's a ton of them and not a lot. I mean, it's something that I did as a kid and I wanted to kind of bring it back. Like, come on, let's everybody get out and go squirrel hunt. Well, mm-hmm. when I started calling out some of the Southern podcasts and all these other guys, these guys are into it. Like they oh, have squirrel yeah. dogs. Like that's what they do is squirrel hunt. And I was like, uh-huh. Whoa, I opened up a can of worms that probably shouldn't have opened up. Right. <laughs> I was like, this ought to, this ought to get pretty good, you know? And um, so I think it's just kind of cool, man, just to kind of get everybody back and, and just kind of relive some of those things that we did as kids. You know, I kind of forget about it when I was this past weekend. Um, I was down in Ohio hunting. We do our annual hunt down there. And, uh, being as my job is a, a fisherman, right? That's what I do for a living. So yeah. I'm around catching big fish constantly offshore tuna fishing and shark fishing and striped bass fishing, always catching giant fish. And this past weekend, I got to hang out with uh, a really good friend of ours, um, Eric Smith. And we were at, uh, his brother's place. Okay. They have a little tiny bass pond in the backyard. And, uh, we got to chit chat and we're sitting there and we're shooting our bows. And I says, is there any fish in that pond? He's like, yeah. He goes, let's go down there and go fishing. Okay. For me, always having, you know, doing it for money and competition and so on and so forth. You kind of forget the the little things in life. Right. So I had a little co push button and me and him, we went out there and we fished for half the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, it was probably one of the most incredible times probably top five times of fishing in my entire life was out there fishing with bones. Just the simplicity of it and uh-huh. going back to doing the things that I did as a kid. Um, and kind of you overlook the good things that come from doing those little simple things, man. Like 
like as far as going squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting or pheasant hunting, those things, because now, you know, I'm always chasing big white tails or wanting to chase big white tails and big game. And you kind uh, of forget about the little things. So to sit around that pond with that true. little Zebco reel and catch a little tiny largemouth man was probably one of, it, it was a humbling experience. Honestly, it kind of took me back and kind of made me realize that, you know, life's not a competition. It's not about shooting the biggest buck or catching the biggest fish. It's about enjoying it, enjoying the outdoors for what it is, because you kind of get wrapped up in, in building content and building podcasts and taking pictures and being the best and shooting the biggest. And, you know, it's always a competition, man. And to sit back and kind of relax for an afternoon with a good friend and really taking the outdoors um well it was kind of one of those really kind of cool things man so i'm hoping that the squirrel competition is one of those things where we go out there and we enjoy it and That's just awesome. enjoy what it is all about honestly yeah i can appreciate the nostalgia behind that there's been a few times where i wish i had my little 22 and just go plink at one of them it's like you just <laughs> leave me alone well it's yeah. it's so fun because like the nostalgia behind it because that's what i cut my teeth on i remember mm-hmm. growing up my dad and his friends like the last weekend of, of squirrel and it's our small game hunt season mm-hmm. we would all go out and we pile into a couple of vehicles we drive around this is back in the 90s and mm-hmm. uh we would go out and uh, hit up some hit up some land and walk around and see if we can get up some squirrels and stuff like that. And yeah. man, we'd, we'd have a blast. And it's like, I was the youngest guy with the best eyes, so I'd always be seeing him. So it's like, here, grab the 22 or grab the 410 and shoot him. It's like, we, we, yeah. there was there was a couple years we'd win. It's just because it's like, I just had the better eyes and to be able to put them out. And then, then uh, what one year we lost because one of the guys shot a rabbit in the head and the, the round ricocheted. And so we pulled over when we came, met up for lunch at noon, opened the back thing, and here it is just hobbling with the with the blood trail coming on the side because it did the the twenty two just didn't penetrate. Oh no. Just knocked it out. So it That's was crazy. Yeah, it was it was just, it was it was awesome. So it's like, well, this earn this earns bet more points. And the whole thing wasn't about like money. It was more like the camaraderie of it all. And so mm-hmm. the, the one whoever lost, the team that lost had to buy the soda and the booze because it was a big family oriented. So it's like we had the yep. wives, the kids there, and such like that. And we, all we did was we'd have we'd fry up rabbits and their squirrel meat and that's all we do we just sit there and eat and just be that's so cool and uh my dad was the only one who was single so it's like well he, his place was a go-to place because what a he had room for it. b he didn't have a wife to deal with it and c it's like everybody loved coming to his place because nothing just leave the mess <laughs> yeah exactly that's awesome man but that's what it's about man you take it back of, of that's where it all started for us man we all caught our teeth shooting squirrels shooting rabbits, mm-hmm. shooting upland birds, you know, like we all, that's what, that's what we, you know, some dove hunt and whatever, man. And that's where it kind of cut our teeth. And I think a lot of us get away from that kind of stuff and to kind of bring that back and kind of, you know, in, instill that child in us, I guess we could say, yeah, um, is, is a very important thing, man, because I think we all get lost in that, you know, we get lost in chasing, you know, we all want to shoot a, a 150, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I have just as much fun shooting does shooting little bucks i mean it's i enjoy it like i i really do that's what i did as a kid man you just fling arrows at everything you know and (laughs) something like that you know it was kind of like i said it was kind of a joke man to try and do it you know i was like ah Uh whatever it's kind of stupid and then you start to think about it and you're like wow this is an amazing thing and and i I cannot wait for it honestly And, and doing those things and you know the older that i get and it's not that i'm old man i'm 31 years old but the older that i get and i get away from some of this stuff there's there's times in my life, like, you know, my brother, I, I don't have kids and I mm-hmm. won't have kids, but the, uh, um, 
my my brother has a little one and last season my pops and we we grew up hunting obviously i mean it came from a hunting household and constantly hunting and stuff and i got away from hunting with my father because everything was about chasing big deer you know or or you know doing it differently like being i became a mobile hunter and hunted alone and and not really going to the family farm and hunting every day out of the same stand you know like i just i got away from hunting with my pops and um last year my dad shot a doe and he called me he always calls me when he shoots one and it's it's no more reason than he needs me to come help him drag right and uh (laughs) so pops called me and uh me and my brother and my nephew went there and we took pictures after and it was kind of one of those things that i was like wow i'm missing out on a lot of stuff because you get so wrapped up in building content and taking pictures and podcasting and you kind of forget kind of where you came from so the older that i get you don't realize how important some of that stuff really is i mean you know i'm getting emotional just thinking about it oh yeah um it's uh, you kind of forget about a lot of those things and to go sit back. And I think there's a lot of steps that have happened in the past couple of months, like fishing with bones and the turkey. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. squirrel competition. And then, you know, that happened with my pops. You, you just kind of you don't want to forget those things. And I felt that I did and I don't want to. So that's why I want to try and instill it in everybody that that kind of surrounds me that we can't forget about those things. That's very important to keep doing them. That is a valid point, and it's like I'm only a few more years older than you are, but it's like you get real sentimental about it, especially like my father's 69 years old, and it's like I don't know how many more moments I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you gotta, That's you, so true. you got to steal those when you can because you get busy making life. You forget to, to ha- enjoy your life. And it's like mm-hmm. today is a present. It's a gift for a reason. Tomorrow's not promised. So it's like, you know, you got to make the most of it. And that's something that I think with the, 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 the shit that's been going on globally here, I think it really sank in with folks that we mm-hmm. really need to spend more time with our loved ones because you never know when that day is they're not going to be back up on two feet. And it's, and it's, it's, you, you have these moments in your life that really, you really reflect on that really plays a, a pivotal role in your life. You know, it's like my, uh, my grandma, she passed away last, a year ago on November 1st and she had Alzheimer's, but she was, had dementia for over eight years. So it's like, she did not, she was the only, before her sickness took complete hold of her. I was the only one that gave her the, it's just the way the, the, the stars aligned, but she got to hold mm-hmm. and meet her only rememberable grandchild, her great grandchild, wow. I should say. And so it's like something like that really sets hits home for a lot of people. And my podcast has been since I, I stream on um, SoundCloud. Well, pretty much every platform out there, but SoundCloud has been really helping me get to the European market and the Asian market too. And it doesn't matter where you're at. Everybody has those same emotions. And that's what people really connect with is like sharing that one moment because my uh, daughter's eight and she only met her that one time because it's like the watching somebody decay like that with, with um, Alzheimer's is, is tough to watch. And it's mm-hmm. like when you, when you try to walk in their life, it's like it's not there anymore. It's, it's who they once were. It's like, it's like I'd rather have them live a happier life knowing that they, they influenced others, but they can be able to not have the trauma of every day of like having the, the, the sun the sundowns and stuff like that. And that's just a lot of um, torture because it's mm-hmm. like you, you, they, they, they may not see it, but you will, you feel it. It really sits right. home. 
and I got I got the luxury of um, when I went to college, she, the, my grandparents moved out there. So when they retired out there, like a couple of years before I graduated high school, and so I got to spend Halloween, Thanksgivings, and Christmas with just the three of us. Right, just bullshitting, that's having a, a good old time, you know. And it's like that's a great thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best not to not to shed a tear here, but it's it's pivotable that you that you're that I try to keep uh, my uh, young one around my dad. It's it is an important thing, man. I I kind of learned it, like I was saying with the last trip that we did. We had uh, um, the same guy Bones, Eric. Um, he started mobile hunting, man. He got out of the ladder stands and started mobile hunting. Yeah. And how we did a podcast with him was our latest podcast, the uh, one ten. And they, he, he got emotional in the fact that he shot, you know, he shot his first public land buck, man. And how important it was. And he was like, dude, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I can't even believe that I'm doing this at 57 years old, setting up sticks and stands. And that's awesome. You sit back and you're like, Really? That's not all that far away, man. Really? It's not that far away, bud. Like, it's really not, you know? And you got to You got to take it. You got to take it for what it is. And I say it to everybody, man. You got to, if you have a dream, you know, just like we had talked about at the beginning of the podcast was, if you have a dream that you should go and do it, you should go and take it. I mean, if you want to have a podcast, go and do it. You want a yeah. YouTube page, go and do it. You want to become a photographer, go and do it, man. Do not yeah. look back like that nine to five job might not be that thing for you man you can there's other things out there that you can do like a lot of people think that you know you gotta live in that grind that monday through friday nine to five that's not true there's a million and one things out there that you can do to do the same thing you might have to change your lifestyle it's a very very tough thing to do but when you do do it you're gonna you're not going to regret it. I promise you. Oh, 100%. Um, the rewards are limitless. And it's like, I, this can this can go into my next story I want to talk about was this weekend um, when I was out hunting there in, on some public land too. And I had, uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, I used the ghost blind. And those who are looking to get get into blind hunting, I recommend the ghost blind because the pack they come with it, you could, you could really set it up to how it best suits you. But it only took me like, once you get used to it, it should take you about in between five to eight minutes to get it set up depending on how the wind is, but it's very versatile. And you can be able to, and me and my wife sat behind it without an issue. So it's like, it's a 110 inch uh, blind from point to point. So you just got to play with the angles to make sure it reflects well. And you, and you just got to walk about five to eight yards out, turn around and look at it. So this way then does like, uh, looking at it just like as a perspective, just a little bit lower, and you can see if it if it reflects what you wanted to, then you did it right. And it's like I took I set it up here a couple of weeks ago, and and another spot and on a, on a piece of public land, and I took pictures of it. And the people that don't hunt couldn't see it. The ones that do hunt, they they saw they saw the 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 distortion of it, but it really worked really well. But um, setting on the ground or getting up and or being mobile this being mobile in itself is just so freeing because if you're not saying anything you're not seeing any movement you're cl- you're you're rattling you're grunting you're bleeding and no no action like get up and move and it doesn't take long to to pack it down and move away and you can you can set up your your strategy before you even get out there but uh, the story I want to get to is that on Thursday night I got out to the land I took multiple days off to get out there and that was the uh, a really fun experience. It was a nice little basket six, and uh, he was he was really young and stuff like that. And uh, my buddy watched him come in, and I just and then all of a sudden I start hearing him come through as well. And he he got to seven yards, didn't even realize I was there. And he looked up and he saw something that this does not make sense. 
and it went on for a 40-minute uh, uh, staring contest. And get this, though. What, what makes this so unique is that he once he saw me uh, double back to about 15 yards, and then he comes around the backside of me, and, and then he stops, and it's like, okay, because well, he, he, he couldn't see me because I was, behind, I was perfectly blended in with the tree. So he couldn't see me. So he turned around, hopped over the fence, and then, then, he, then instead of going back in the thicket, he just walked along and he jumped back out again right in front of me. And he just sat there, and we stared at each other. And then all of a sudden, he wheezed at me. It's like, son of a gun. I just, like, my, my hunt's done. He jumps over. He just wheezing as he's bounding, bounding back there. And he goes about, he makes this horseshoe, comes back out. Not even five minutes later, comes out uh, 48 yards away. And here he comes walking out, and we go back at it again. And which is like, I've never had a buck or a doe do that where it just ble- just uh, wheezes off and then he comes back. I, it's like, now it's like I kind of get what people tell you. It's like, if they wheeze that, just sit there and be still and wait because you never know what's going to happen. And it's like, sure, that's it happened to me. So it's like, I just sat there and waited. And now, if I, if I knew him, he would have came back around and he gave me a 30-yard shot, I put an arrow in him. But it was still the beginning of my hunt. Then the next day, I see this beautiful 12-point walk right on out. It's like, oh, my word, this is going to be fantastic. And then, and then it just kind of – I saw a lot of activity, but nothing I wanted to pull a trigger on. That's, that's the joys about being a hunter. You can pick and choose when you want to draw back. And it's like everything I saw was either – everything I saw was just too small. They were either one to three years old. And it's like, nope, got to let them grow. Because it's like and all the bucks I did see, the racks didn't – there was no cold bucks. That I thought that would deserve to be removed those genetics off the land, so it's like I just went ahead and kept and watched them go through and say, well, I didn't shoot anything, but that's not a big deal. See, where I hunt in Wisconsin, I can hunt all the way up until January 31st, so I got time. But it's like, uh, but I, it's now it's like the rut's almost over, so it's like I, this weekend's like pretty much gonna be the end of the tail end of the rut. Then we'll come, we'll have those those second row, ruts again down in December. So you know, I'll just be patient, and if I don't shoot something, you know, I'm not out there to be hunting. I'm not out there to be me be out there to be one of everything because it's like it's it's good to get away from the the noise the white noise the noise pollution that we have in our day-to-day lives if you live out in the in the, if you live in the city or small town it's just great to get out there and i tell encourage anybody you don't have to hunt just get out there and be in the be in the now outdoors whether it be fishing hunting hiking foraging just get outside so important it's such a big thing, man. Just to enjoy the outdoors. I, we, I talk about this with a lot of friends of mine and the things that we, you see in the woods that you would never see anywhere else, whether it's the river otters, whether it's, you know, I, the other, the other day, honestly, I so we don't have, um, the, uh, the fox squirrels here yeah. in, in the Northeast that, you know, but when I hunt in the Midwest, I see them all the time. But anyway, so there was one up in a tree, and this thing fell out of the nest and ended up dying. I watched it. It fell out of the wow. nest, hit the ground, and died. I was like, what in the world? I hear the biggest, loudest thud, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? So I pull up the glasses, and I watch it, and I was like, man, I would have never seen that anywhere else. And then a couple minutes later, I hear the lo- even louder noise, and it scared the living daylights. I mean, I thought a cannon went off next to me. Mm-hmm. It was a red tail hawk came out of the air and grabbed something off the ground. And all I see is its wingspan on the ground. I'm like, what in the world was that? Like he literally <laughs> died behind something and grabbed something off the ground. And I was like, just this all in one hunt. And then you see mm-hmm. the river otters. You see there's so much wildlife out there, man. I'm not just going out there to kill everything. I'm mm-hmm. out there to enjoy the outdoors. There's so much watching the blue jays or listening to the blue jays watching the the woodpeckers i mean there's just a, a a metric ton of things to see out there in the outdoors and it's totally to enjoy 
right? I uh, Saturday morning, it's like I, I walked in and I I look over to my left and I watch this. I watch someone scurry up a tree and it was a raccoon, mm-hmm. and he kind of just and all of a sudden I just see him go back down and he slides down the last like foot. And then, and then it's like then well I wasn't quite sure which direction he goes and he keeps on walking. He walks right behind me like not even three yards away. Keeps walking right up and he goes up another tree and then he comes up and all of a sudden I start hearing him like that make that weird hiss sound. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like my scent control is so good I scared a raccoon. It was it was cause it's like, it's like he didn't recognize I was there. Was That's like, well, so cool. Yeah, the so things fun. that you see out there is just so awesome, man. And some things you'll never see before, like the interaction of deer. Like when you see a a deer bedding next to you and the thing scratches its head like a dog or you know i have a on video because i do i video all my hunts constantly always videoing something whether it's on my phone i have a pretty good phone and having an actual camera with me i have a 4k camera that i run with me and like watching it i had a small buck come in and he shaked like a dog and then shaked his head it was just <laughs> so cool man like just to see all that and it, you know steven had some footage that he uh he had some does in front of him. He, they were double patched does, right? And he okay. starts zooming in after he's checking out, and it's a it's a button, it's a button buck, it's a oh, it's cool. a double patch button buck, and you're like, dude, that's so cool to see. Like that's like a one off, right? Or you know, there's just so many things out there that you see in the outdoors, and it's it's not about killing, man. It's really not. No, it really isn't. I always sorry. Think, we've what... kind of had like a sentimental. Uh, podcast here oh Jeff. that's 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 um that's how it is that's how i tend to be with some of my podcasts it's like, it's perfectly okay i, I like the, the delivering of the emotional aspect of it because mm-hmm. this way then the listeners have that opportunity to like to really hear that that um, emotion that comes out of our voice and our tone mm-hmm. our tonality of it all and we want people to enjoy them because it's like if you get stuck inside like i've been paying attention to society like and how they're like moving towards this ready player one lifestyle it's like we're basically going to become virtual prisoners in our own homes and it's like we need to keep trying to get more people just to be outside because it's like that's how you balance out your serotonin you deal with sun rays and you have a healthy um mindset because if you're always inside, it's like you're always breathing in the same recycled air. It's like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll miss out on so much so much opportunity. And then, and it's it's kind of crazy in the past like year or so, the, the amount of people that have been outside and doing things, hunting and fishing and hiking and camping, mm-hmm. and it is incredible. And it is a great thing for all of us outdoorsmen mm-hmm. to see all of these people out there. You know, it's. You know, we all kind of get mad because we publicly hunt or we publicly fish or whatever the case may be, but that there's more people out there. But I would rather see a million and one people out there doing it and enjoying the outdoors or something that got lost. You know, I, and I said it from the beginning. I mean, people had or wanted and said for years, I want to spend more time with my kids or I want to be spend more time in the woods hunting or outdoor fishing and or hiking or spending more time with the family outside or going camping or whatever. Well, they were all given that opportunity and I hope that they capitalized on it. I really truly in the bottom of my heart, hope every single person was able to capitalize on all the things that they wanted to do because they were given that chance. Oh yeah. Right. I'll, I'll just like, I love listening to my daughter's voice. Just, just shriek when she sees a buck or a doe or <laughs> um, I, th- I think the funnest ones are when we see like explain to her when you see a doe with two fawns. Because yep. it's, like, it's it's so unique that the doe went estrus twice and produced twi- 
produce fawns. And I had a, I used to hunt a property in Minnesota before I moved to Wisconsin that this doe consistently produced twins every year for the five years I hunted it. I never touched her. I let her go every single time because I, I knew where she would bet at. So I'd set up a camera right there and I'd watch her get bigger throughout the season. And, and then all of a sudden you see these two little fawns, they're white spots, stuff like that. And then I bring her over and we're, we're looking on her phone or a tablet or, or whatever. And she just gets all excited about it because it's like there, you get to see the circle of life right there. And, um, her stepdad, he just capitalized on a beautiful eight pointer this weekend for the gun opener there. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's good for her to be around role models that produce something because in this way, then she can, it, it she can understand the delayed gratification of developing something that turns into your wildest dreams. Absolutely. It's an amazing thing. Oh, definitely, man. Ah, Jesus. Is there any, like we've, we've been touching base on a lot of um, family oriented and stuff like that. Do you have any like fun stories? Because you, we talked a lot about bones. Is there anything else you want to like share, get off your chest or talk about? Man, I, <laughs> that's a tough thing, man. Um, I don't know. I honestly, not overly, bro. I I just I enjoy the fact of just being able to chit chat. Come on and chit chat. Cause I, I mean, honestly, you know, in the podcast, I don't I don't get to do that often, right? Like we don't get to tell our stories or whatever. It's kind of about the person that's on the podcast, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to just come over here, chit chat, kind of kick it back with you, man, and just right. kind of change around a lot of things. I mean. There's a, I mean, I wish that, you know, like I was, like, I keep referring back to it, man. We do our annual trip, hunting trip and got to go down there and we just kind of grinded it out. I was after a certain buck down there. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that kind of made a mistake, right. Was I just kept moving. Like we'd get trail cam pictures and I'd move instead of staying in one place, I'd move and go somewhere else and move somewhere else. And I'd go to a different forest or whatever. Uh -huh. And I had one target buck the entire time. And he, uh, he ended up getting shot um, two days into chasing him. He was in the same block of woods. He ended up getting shot 250 yards away from where I was at. But it is what it is, man. You know, you're out there, you're grinding, and it was, you know, you take a lot of, about it because I had a really good trip last year. I shot a real big buck yeah, um, down there last year. And I went down there kind of with the thoughts, and it was a humbling experience that, like, I'm going to do it again. And yeah. uh, it was kind of uh, – it was a dose of reality that it's it's not that easy. You know what I'm saying? I got lucky the first time. That's why I totally feel as I got lucky the first time, and I did not get lucky the second time. And it's just you got to grind it, man. You got to go. It's it's just not always. It might not be in the cards, you know. And then it wasn't in the cards, and it's all right. We had a great time at camp. Got to hang out and do a lot of things and hunted our asses off to try and get it. And then it's just back here to start grinding yeah. again and just getting back at it. You know, it's uh. There's a ton of that, man. It's just, you know, you got to stick with it. And, you know, sometimes you make those mistakes. Yeah, no kidding. Like I, like when you talk about like you, you like to travel around and go hunting, stuff like that one person that has always astounded me, like since I met him last year, is Matt Powell from the big, uh, from uh, Bow Hunting oh, yeah. League. And that sure. guy is just so relentless. But he, he, it's like, what, yeah, what's he up to? Like four deer already this year? It's either from four, or four five. different states. Yeah. yeah, it's like four or five. It's I incredible. He just, he just capitalized on Kentucky. 
Kentucky, yes. Yeah, this mm-hmm. past weekend. And that's a beautiful buck there, man. But he, yeah. he's, it's like he's one of those kind of guys that really puts the the, the, the time and the research and the, when he looks when he's going out hunting, he's always able to capitalize because he's got that uh, that grit. He really gets after it. And he doesn't get – he's like he just knows his um, his skill set. And what it's admiring about him that he's developed a lifestyle to be able to accommodate that, also be a family man on top of that too because mm-hmm. there's a that's lot a tough of give thing. and take. There's a, that's a tough thing. I'll tell you that, man. I do a lot of traveling, do a lot of hunting from, you know, going different places and never home and so on and so forth. I mean, that's a constant thing for me, whether it's a fishing trip, a hunting trip, shed hunting trip. I mean, I do all of it, man. I do main 11 days camping away from home and there's a balance, man. There's a checks and balance. And there's, there's a, there's definitely a time when you're home. It's so important to be to do those things like spend time with the family. I don't have kids, man. I don't. And and I'm I'm blessed. I think that it's a it, it's kind of a blessing in disguise of not having kids and being able to do the traveling and all that. If I had kids, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Um you know, my wife is a saint. There is nothing I, there's no other words that describe it because that's what she is allowing me to do the things that I do. But when I'm home and if she asks one thing of me that, mm-hmm. that she wants to do, it gets done period. Right. Exactly. If she wants to go and watch Cinderella on ice, we're going to watch <laughs> Cinderella on ice. I mean, it's just, it's that cut dry and simple, you know, and, and you have to have that balance. I mean, being here and podcasting at night, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we yeah. constantly, whether we're on other podcasts or we're podcasting, I mean, we have we have actually two podcasts. Um, we have the Outdoor Drive podcast, and then we have the Tales from the Tailgate, which is a mini series that we do. Um, and that's just when somebody kills a big buck, whether it's a or not even a big buck, a little doe, a small buck, uh, a bear, a duck, a whatever. Man, like yeah. they got a cool story. You know, we got a lot of youngsters that we have on there, old timers, young guys. You know phenomenal hunters i mean it's just a mix of the crossover but my point is that you're constantly doing things and staying away from your family to be able to grind for this stuff and you you have to have that balance if you don't have that balance um nothing good will come from it and i promise you that um, you have to definitely you know have that that give and take man and you got to have uh you know supporting friends supporting family and definitely a supporting wife yeah. I was going to ask you if you were married, but you answered my question. But the biggest thing is too, is that it's, it's being able to find when you, when you marry somebody, it's like, you've got to find something that's mo- emotionally independent. I listened mm-hmm. to a lot of Jocko Link's podcast and yep. his wife is just a rock star because they have three kids or four kids. He was a full-time military career, been in theater multiple times, and she was able to balance everything out between. Is that Jocko? That's what you said. Yeah. Jocko Link. Yeah. yeah Jocko podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, um, just finding somebody that has that type of fortitude to be able to do it because some some people some folks just can't handle that type of uh, active lifestyle and it's nope. like like he always always goes like you have one in the relationship there's always one that's person that's crazy which is us and we have yep. the other person that's that's sane uh, my wife just likes to she's the same both though she's she's crazy too she likes to go out and do fun stuff and go out hunting and fishing all that stuff like that too but boy she can shit talk like the best of them though yeah that's right you got to have that. I mean, that's kind of an important thing. My wife is a uh, really into the outdoors, but not, this is a recent thing, right? So when I had met her, it's a completely opposite. Yeah. And grew up kind of in a hunting family. I mean, her grandfather was a big time hunter and fisherman. Her parents not. Um, and then, I mean, we've been married uh, six, seven years now. Okay. Didn't really have much to do with 
shooting archery didn't have much to do with hunting nothing what was into it like processed deer worked in the euro shop caught you know skin deer heads so on and so forth like was you know was cool with it and stuff but yeah. never archery hunting right and then she said she wanted she wanted to get into 3d shooting so she got into 3d shooting with me and then last year she said she wanted to shoot a deer she didn't think that she could but then she finally said that she wanted to go and do it so we went and did it she ended up getting a little buck um and it was just incredible. And then this year, she's not going to be able to hunt. She's got some medical stuff she's got to take care of. So she wasn't able to hunt, so she's going in for surgery and stuff. So um, won't be able to hunt this season, but she was kind of upset about it. You know, like trail cameras are going <laughs> off. There's big bucks running around, and she's like, I want a bigger buck. You know, like I would get a, a trail cam picture, and she'd be like, that's my buck. Where are we going to shoot it? And I go, no, that's my buck, and I'm going to shoot it. Like, So the, the competition, I think that you can't have – somebody who is fully indulged in the outdoors um if you have one person fully indulged in the outdoors it's tough to have somebody with that much of an addiction to the outdoors um because there is no checks and balances at that point i could only imagine the insanity that would actually happen if it was if it was like that um but you have to have they have to enjoy it but they can't like it as much as you do right they have to be a little bit less to kind of keep the 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 ground keep you grounded yeah, I, she she does. She has a good balance between everything. She loves going to hunting, loves setting and, and and scoping out stuff. And she has her own bow. And I just I recently got her new bowstrings for her bow because they're they're old. So it's like we'll need to upgrade these. And so um, the uh, Anthony Schmidt from uh, uh, Lacrosse Archery, he set me up with uh, set her up with some awesome strings. His, he's, he got, he makes his own custom strings for him, and they are uh, uh, gold and purple or i'm not sure the, the the ideal colors for the bear she's a huge bears fan but after you get them all done it looks so sharp it looks so nice i don't i think her, her bow is in, in our, our liquid in a, in a case right now but it was this thing she, she's just all giddy about it and i kind of re renewed her um her influence in, in, uh, <laughs> like for uh, why can't i speak right now i know the word uh, but <laughs> it sounds like me her incitement, yeah, excitement. getting back outdoors and stuff like that. We sat here uh, two weeks ago. We sat, her and I sat for an evening and stuff like that. And uh, her boots, for some odd reason, were their Irish setter boots. They're nice ones, but that's one that they the not lace up, but they they, they had the bolo on them. And for yep. some odd reason, the way the, the 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 tongue sets, it just sets right on her pinky toe, and it kind of cuts off the circulation and you know how it gets is like once you once you lose your feet it just kind of just goes down you become oh, uncomfortable yeah. you don't want to be there anymore and so, but we didn't have we didn't have anything come show up i sat friday and we sat saturday and we had nothing show up but th it's public land though so we were, like everything pretty much went nocturnal and it's it's one of those areas where you got to either hit right away in this in the beginning of the season where you see tons of action which i did mm -hmm. I, seen, I saw a lot of action but i could never they never none of them came in close enough and the way the bluff country works and when you're bleating or grunting, it echoes through the entire area right there. So it's like, well, you really don't want to do a fake call because they're going to know. They're just going to disappear on you. And so we'll, we'll just have to wait until after the rut and after the gun season. And I'll, I'll, I'm still going to continue to try to go out there, but I'll just go out mm -hmm. during the week. Like I'll, I'll just pick a, like a random day, flex a couple hours, go out and set for an evening and see if I can make something happen. 
because that's what I like doing. And like that's the nice thing about public land where you where you, got, you just get you got a you got a plan when nobody else is going to be there, and you got to get to where you need to be before the deer start up and start walking around. Because I know there's bucks out there. I saw a six pointer. I saw an eight pointer thirty yards away. Did not have a shot though, because like there's just a bunch of twigs going every which direction. I tried. Um, um, start wheezing at him to see if I can get him to come back out of the woods there and give me a shot. But he just, just kept on walking. Just did not care. It seems like they haven't been overly reacting to calls. Some people are having good luck and some people aren't, you know, we had a bunch of big target bucks this past week that just, they just keep going, man. Head down, just keep going. You can grunt him, snort, wheeze, bleat, mountain care, rattle horn. Didn't matter. They were out. They just yeah. keep doing what they're doing. That's exactly what happened to me because I was I was mixed up between bleats and rattles. I didn't have a call on me, so it's like I was just like, well, I'll just rattle rattle once an hour, bleat every few minutes or every uh, every couple times an hour, and then go from there. Now, I didn't know that you actually have a taxidermy business. So how did you yeah. get into that line of work? <laughs> so, um, uh, I I worked in a slaughterhouse for quite some time, a butchering shop, and okay. uh, I actually. Um, we had done euros there by power washing, right? Boiling and power washing. And uh, so I would do a ton of them doing that, but it's miserable. It's cold as hell. It's wet. It's nasty. And it's just disgusting, right? It just smells so bad, right? Yeah. And not that this way is much better, but so I just had figured like, hey, listen, there's got to be a, a better way of doing this. So I started researching and I found out about the Demersta beetles. So I had bought my first little colony, about 500 Demersta beetles and... I started to kind of learn about what they were all about and understanding them and growing them and breeding them and so on and so forth that now I probably have 200,000, 250,000 beetles, uh, wow. two enclosures, um, I do a ton of wholesaling for, uh, some, some, well, I used to do a ton of wholesaling for other taxidermy businesses. Now my business has grown up so big that I don't need to do that. Um, okay. so I just do it on my own now. Um, I do a little bit of work for other taxidermists from time to time, but that's literally all I do, man. It's just skulls in the winter, and then I'm a fisherman. Um, this is my main trade during the summer. Uh, I work from uh, – we start about May 1st till about November 1st, and then November 1st on, I just do the Euros, and that's it, man. That's my living. That's why I was saying before the 9 to 5 is it's not – there's other things out there that you can do to make that money that the same exact money that you would be making on that nine to five. Um, it's just, you got to kind of grind for it. You got to work harder. Um, and I love it, man. I love the taxidermy business. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I am every single deer that comes in. I am infatuated with every single one of them, no matter what it is, whether it's small, whether it's big. Um, and it's, it's always, for me, it's like a podcast every single day because <laughs> honestly, because, you know, a customer comes in and, you know, we talk about their story, you know, the excitement. I get to live their haunt every single day. Um, and it's like the camaraderie in camp. You know, it's it's so cool to hear everybody's story. I don't care if it's a spike buck, whether it's a 200-incher. The stories all mean the same to me. And being able to listen to them and hear their stories, what they went through, their excitement. I get to live it, man. It's like being in camp all over again. I think that's the best part of it, you know, is, is just hearing their stories and having guys that are, you know, that are so infatuated with the outdoors and, and just getting to talk to them every single day. I mean, it just kind of keeps me going on with, uh, throughout the winter. So how long were you, how long have you been doing it then? Doing the oh man, I think I'm north of five years. Okay. Um, been doing it. I've been, well, that's just with beetles. Um, I've been doing Euro mount since 
Uh, I mean, probably 10 years now, 11 years. So you got Yeah, I'm just into it, man. I love the skull work. Um, I have, I, I'm into, I'm into skulls. I collect skulls. I'm so infatuated with them. I mean, from different things, I buy different things throughout, like from Alaska and turtles. And I mean, anything that's got a skull, I want one. I collect (laughs) everything and everything from a mouse to big steers, elk. I mean, I, you name it, I'll buy it. Um, as far as it goes to skulls. I'm just so infatuated with skulls. My skull collection's huge. Um, some of it's actually you have behind right me. Well, oh, dude, I don't even know. I really don't <laughs> know. From I, there's a pile of them, and then constantly, too. Like I have a ton of stuff, and then there'll be like a little kid that comes to the shop, and I'll run down into the basement and I'll go grab something for him, whether it's a muskrat or a beaver or something like that, because they're into it, you know. And I'll go give it to him, and so I'm yeah. constantly giving stuff away too. Um, but I have the Beatles, so I'm able to play around with that. You know, I'll like I said, I mean, you know, I'll buy anything. I'm stillborn Angus cows, all kinds of crazy stuff. Just into it, man. It's it's. I really enjoy this the skulls, and I have huge fascination with them. That is definitely exciting. It's kind of like um, I had Cameron Stover on my podcast here a mm-hmm. few months back, and he does uh, the huntinggeardeals.com, and he bought himself a musk ox, and that was a fun story to talk about. And he was just kind of one of those random Like things. a live or? No, no, a stuffed one. Oh, but it was a yep. full mount. It was absolutely massive. And yep. he didn't have it for very long, but he's, he bought it at the right place, right or mm-hmm. right price point, and he sold it. A, few weeks later but it's like he's he's very good at wheeling deal he's got that bright mindset i'm working on um i'm working on a a review for my ghost blind and stuff like because he asked for one and i wanted to give him my input so i wanted to give a few times of going out before i give him my review because i wanted to make sure that i'm I'm hitting all the key notes that i would like if i'm going to buy it like what I make sure I'm hitting all those marks for him because mm-hmm. there's 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 a lot of guys out there that do some amazing uh, gear reviews and so right. I just want to make sure that if I'm doing it I want to give the product justice because it's it's I've I've had a lot of fun with it but just listening to the story of that it's like it was just it was just really cool like and why the story behind it because I had to bring it up in our conversation because it was just something that it's like you bought a full-size muskox why (laughs) why not i mean constantly i mean that's my thing i'm i'm into i collect skulls and i collect antlers uh antlers has been one of the things i've kind of collected too like just constantly buying sets of antlers single antlers big antlers big it's just it's just something cool man just constantly collecting them and do a pile of shed hunting uh moose shed hunting Whitetail shed hunt. I got a puppy that we bring out, and she's starting to get into it. She's about she'll be two and a half this year, so it'll be kind of cool to have her. And she did a phenomenal job last year. But just that collection of that stuff. I mean, over my my shoulder here, mm-hmm. if you see that that um that sheep, that's from Alberta, Canada, and it was shot in 1962. Wow. Uh, a buddy of mine um is a car dealer, and he bought a car dealership. And it was inside of his office and he was going to throw it away. I'm like, bro, what do you mean you're going to throw that away? I says, I will gladly take that. And I would gladly, I would gladly put it in some display it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's been in every single studio that I've had (laughs) in every corner of the room. So it's kind of like, it's got my personal um, mascot, I guess you could say. 
That is awesome. I was no, I was noticing at the antelope back there, and you got uh, the mm-hmm. turkey fan back there. You got your bow and oh, all, the all other kinds deer. of turkey fans and pheasants and deer antlers. And there's a collection of my oddity um, antlers here, and then that's a big. Uh, those are actually sheds that I put uh, elk sheds from a 340, 360 bull that I put on a plastic skull. Always, uh, it's just something, always playing with something, man. Always got something going on. Antlers, boxes of antlers everywhere. It's just, it's just crazy. My, my studio table is full of dead ducks and (laughs) there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Very cool, man. So what is your, like for, for, uh, a rack, do you like typical or non-typical? Hmm. I'm, I'm a big non-typical guy. Um, split main beams is one of my favorite things. I, I gotta, if I see one, I'll buy it instantaneously. Um, big non-typicals is definitely my favorite for sure. Yeah. See for me too. I like, I, I like odd looking, um, mm-hmm. racks like the, the, this guy back over here above me here. He's got four on one side, three on the other side. Then he has a hook or a, one of his brow times goes like this. It's just straight up and straight back. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. It's almost like a complete 90 degree angle. It's like, how does this happen? (laughs) And so I thought thought that was really cool. It's like, I, so it's like I, the, where I shot him in Minnesota, you have to, it had to, at the time it had to have um, four brow tines on one side. And so I had to, I let him walk when I thought when it came through, because he came at eight yards. It's like, at least she was sleeping and she ranged it for me. I drew back and then it's like, wait, wait, wait. Nope, can't take him. Didn't he only hit? It was only six. So, but the next year, that it's so funny. Like I shot him. Like if you can see how big that neck is, mm-hmm. he was just yeah. a monster. He just, he was just a bully buck. I pulled him off the herd, and all of a sudden, I have five more bucks show up. It was just crazy. Like and what That's he did nuts. to dominate that area. And he's a he's a fun story, man. I like. It's like I'm, he's obviously my he's my first archery one. So it's like yeah, I had to get a shoulder one right that. Uh, my. Um, my wife's uh, grandma said, "Why did you get something like that?" So it wasn't that impressive, but it's like her her husband understood why I got it because you you when you have a first of something, you just tend to want to do a shoulder mount or do something fun with it. Always, know? yeah. My it's, first archery box right there. I mounted my first archery box. It's not a big one, little one. I rattled it in actually um, on um, November eighth. Actually, it's kind of funny. It was this day <laughs> in history um, that. But that deer was actually I European I European mounted that deer originally, okay. um, and it kept falling off the wall or getting messed up and it got destroyed like the nose cartilage oh, or the okay. nose piece. So I got irritated and I constantly picking it up or something would happen and it just looked like crap and I got pissed off and I'm like, dude, this is stupid. So when I had had one of my other bucks mounted. I brought that rack and I said to text him, can you get me another Cape? So then he ended up mounting it up uh, two years ago. Okay. And uh, so I find, I'm like, I had to get it mounted. Like it's just mm-hmm. had it, you know, you got to mount your first one. My first doe, I uh, mounted my first doe. I mean, it's just, it's an important thing. It's an important memory. You'll never have another first is what I always say. That's so you so always got to mount your first one, man. When somebody comes to me, to have a Euro made, I tell them you never have another first. Just don't regret that. So, mm-hmm. oh, 100%. It's so true. And it's like the, the real trophy is not the mount itself, it's the memory that the tr- the mount has. That's it's the funny real you say trophy. that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Our boy Alex over at Talk About It Outdoors, um, 
He talks about that all the time, man. Mount the memories. You got to mount the memories. Mm-hmm. It's not about mounting the deer. It's not about pulling the triggers. It's not about killing something. It's about mounting the memories. The memories are the most important thing. And we always talk about that. That's 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 a wise man right there beyond his years because I still have the broadhead I took with it and the the <laughs> bow the uh, arrow snapped so it's like it had a, a lighted knock on it and it's like when I when it when it penetrated the the uh, uh, arrow snapped when it moved its shoulder blade and so it cut it off so it's like here's the the lighted knock sticking sticking straight up and then the deer just takes off it was a double long he piled up forty yards but uh, wow you know it's like the, the the joys of having neighbors that can be a pain in the butt, needless to say. But I don't I don't hunt there anymore because the landlord was the, the guy that owned the land was cool as fuck. He, he was this guy was awesome. But what happened is that he retired. It's like now I have to deal with him. So it's like you can't hunt here anymore. It's like I get it because I had to deal with him that day. Because <laughs> it's sucks. like because he let me hunt for so many years because it's like he he didn't like his neighbors because he always told don't let anybody hunt don't let anybody hunt it's like this is my land and it's like he was more appreciative that somebody came up knocked on his door had a conversation and asked and that's why he gave me permission and it's like that that right there was just fantastic and him and I struck up mm-hmm. a thing so like my my wife a girl then girlfriend we'd always bring him cookies and we'd bring him whatever like we'd always give him di- treats because he gave us the privilege to hunt and manicure this piece of land uh the way we wanted it to which is great because like we would go through we'd clean up the land and we'd make sure there's no um garbage back in there and we'd clean up everything remove all the stands and all the debris if there was trees down we'd figure out what some way to get it cleaned up for them and that's what really solidified our relationship and man it was like i, I it, was, it was only five acres but the the bucks that came through there were just awesome like i still have the video she the buck that she was going to shoot our 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 honeymoon was going to be over the rut, and this is when he always kept on showing up, and we called him uh, Maverick. That's what she called him, and then my buck, yep. I nicknamed him Dark Man because I only saw him at dusk or dawn. That's it. And it's like the thing is, like I had to rethink my camera strategy because as soon as he got on the camera, that flash scared him away. He was ghost. He was gone. Oh, he was a ghost. Yeah, and then I then I learned to have a longer d- delay, and so I started delaying the cameras at almost a minute. And, and I was able to capture him because now wow. he's there for that longer time. But that's one thing that sat, sat, sank in my mind is like, well, obviously this buck has been shot at and hunted. So it's like he knows what cameras do. So that's why he always disappeared. And so, but that's what you, which, what you learn when you're going after that mature whitetail is that if he's been hunted, he knows what a camera looks like. He knows what a hunter looks like up in a tree or in a ground blind. I was that was uh, 2019. That was going to be my year. I was going to capitalize on him, and it's like we we dedicated the whole time out. We got um, uh, what was it? we got um, what was it? Uh, sleeping arrangements all set up and ready to rock and roll. Yeah. But you know things things went differently. So it's like which is all right. You know it, it allowed me to become more mobile, and it's it's I think it is a blessing in disguise because now it's like I'm still do I'm having just as much fun. That's the most important thing, man, is that you're enjoying it and having fun. All right, man. I mean, we hit a lot of cool topics here. Is yeah. there <laughs> is there anything like so we we've talked we got squirrel hunt coming up. We talked about your Ohio hunt. We talked sentimental values. Is there anything else that you you want to uh your the my listeners to walk away with? No, man. I mean, if you want to hear more, kind of, you know, obviously we have a little bit, you know, our podcast is a little bit different than a lot. I mean, being a full outdoor podcast, it's, you know, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, 
duck hunting. I mean, it's a little bit of everything as far as that. I mean, you can catch us over there. You can watch our YouTube videos. Um, you know, we kind of touched on a little bit of just a little bit of what we do um, on the outdoor drive. Um, you know, we're on the YouTube side. We do a little bit of anything and everything. Uh, if you want to come follow along, man, you know, you can find us, you know, the outdoor drive dot com is our website and you can find us on all social media platforms on the outdoor drive podcast perfect thank you man that's a great way to close the the uh podcast here so east coast trev thank you for coming on the podcast i had an absolute blast didn't think i was gonna get this uh emotional sentimental but it sometimes it's like a, a you cannot control the conversation because you say one thing and your mind goes another direction Absolutely, Jeff. And, you know, I want to thank you once again for having me on. You know, I know we talked back and forth for quite some time now, kind of following, watching you kind of grow up, man. And I really appreciate you having me on. It means a lot to me, honestly. Thank you. I appreciate those kind words as well. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning into another episode of this podcast. Please go like, rate, and subscribe to both of our podcasts. And if you like it, you like it, you hate it, you hate it. It's like we are here to keep chit-chatting away. But thank you, folks, for tuning in.